chapter seven of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva exactly one month after her twenty-first birthday as bertha had announced the marriage took place and the young couple started off to spend their honeymoon in london bertha knowing she would not read took with her notwithstanding a book to wit the meditations of marcus aurelius and edward thinking that railway journeys were always tedious bought for the occasion the mystery of the six-fingered woman the title of which attracted him he was determined not to be bored for not content with his novel he purchased at the station a sporting times oh said bertha when the train had started heaving a great sigh of relief i'm so glad to be alone with you at last now we shan't have anybody to worry us and no one can separate us and we shall be together for the rest of our lives craddock put down the newspaper which from force of habit he had opened after settling himself in his seat i'm glad to have the ceremony over too do you know she said i was terrified on the way to church it occurred to me that you might not be there that you might have changed your mind and fled he laughed why on earth should i change my mind that's a thing i never do oh i can't sit solemnly opposite you as if we'd been married a century make room for me boy she came over to his side and nestled close to him tell me you love me she whispered i love you very much he bent down and kissed his wife then putting his arm around her waist drew her nearer to him he was a little nervous he would not really have been very sorry if some officious person had disregarded the engaged on the carriage and entered he felt scarcely at home with bertha and was still bewildered by his change of fortune there was indeed a vast difference between court leys and bewley's farm i'm so happy said bertha sometimes i'm afraid do you think it can last do you think we shall always be as happy i've got everything i want in the world and i'm absolutely and completely content she was silent for a minute caressing his hands you will always love me eddie won't you even when i'm old and horrible i'm not the sort of chap to alter oh you don't know how i adore you she cried passionately my love will never alter it is too strong to the end of my days i shall always love you with all my heart i wish i could tell you what i feel of late the english language had seemed quite incompetent for the expressions of her manifold emotions they went to a far more expensive hotel than they could afford craddock had prudently suggested something less extravagant but bertha would not hear of it as miss ley she had been unused to the second rate and she was too proud of her new name to take it to any but the best hotel in london the more bertha saw of her husband's mind the more it delighted her she loved the simplicity and the naturalness of the man she cast off like a tattered silken cloak the sentiments with which for years she had lived and robed herself in the sturdy homespun which so well suited her lord and master 
it was charming to see his naive enjoyment of everything to him all was fresh and novel he would explode with laughter at the comic papers and in the dailies continually find observations which struck him for their profound originality he was the unspoiled child of nature his mind free from the million perversities of civilization to know him was in bertha's opinion an education in all the goodness and purity the strength and virtue of the englishman they went often to the theatre and it pleased bertha to watch her husband's simple enjoyment the pathetic passages of a melodrama which made bertha's lips curl with semi-amused contempt moved him to facile tears and in the darkness he held her hand to comfort her imagining that his wife enjoyed the same emotions as himself ah she wished she could she hated the education of foreign countries which in the study of pictures and palaces and strange peoples had released her mind from its prison of darkness yet had destroyed half her illusions now she would far rather have retained the plain and unadorned illiteracy the ingenuous ignorance of the typical and creamy english girl what is the use of knowledge blessed are the poor in spirit all that a woman really wants is purity and goodness and perhaps a certain acquaintance with plain cooking but the lovers the injured heroine and the wrongly suspected hero had bidden one another a heart-rending good-bye and the curtain descended to rapturous applause edward cleared his throat and blew his nose isn't it splendid he said turning to his wife you dear thing she whispered it touched her to see how deeply he felt it all how clean and big and simple and good must be his heart she loved him ten times more because his emotions were easily aroused ah yes she abhorred the cold cynicism of the worldly wise who sneer at the burning tears of the simple-minded the curtain rose on the next act and in his eagerness to see what was about to happen edward immediately ceased to listen to what bertha was in the middle of saying and gave himself over to the play the feelings of the audience having been sufficiently harrowed the comic relief was turned on the funny man made jokes about various articles of clothing tumbling over tables and chairs and it charmed bertha again to see her husband's open-hearted hilarity it tickled her immensely to hear his peals of unrestrained laughter he put his head back and with his hands to his side simply roared he has a charming character she thought craddock had the strictest notions of morality and absolutely refused to take his wife to a music-hall bertha had seen abroad many sights the like of which edward did not dream but she respected his innocence it pleased her to see the firmness with which he upheld his principles and it somewhat amused her to be treated like a little schoolgirl they went to all the theatres edward on his rare visits to london had done his sight-seeing economically and the purchase of stalls the getting into dress clothes were new sensations which caused him great pleasure bertha liked to see her husband in evening dress 
the black suited his florid style and the white shirt with a high collar threw up his sunburnt weather-beaten face he looked strong above all things and manly and he was her husband never to be parted from her except by death she adored him craddock's interest in the stage was unflagging he always wanted to know what was going to happen and he was able to follow with the closest attention even the incomprehensible plot of a musical comedy nothing bored him even the most ingenuous find a little cloying the humours and the harmonies of a gaiety burlesque they are like toffee and butterscotch delicacies for which we cannot understand our youthful craving bertha had learnt something of music in lands where it is cultivated as a pleasure rather than as a duty and the popular melodies with obvious refrains sent cold shivers down her back but they stirred craddock to the depths of his soul he beat time to the swinging vulgar tunes and his face was transfigured when the band played a patriotic march with a great braying of brass and beating of drums he whistled and hummed it for days afterwards i love music he told bertha in the entr'act don't you with a tender smile she confessed she did and for fear of hurting edward's feelings did not suggest that the music in question made her almost vomit what mattered it if his taste in that respect were not beyond reproach after all there was something to be said for the honest homely melodies that touched the people's heart it is only by a convention that the pastoral symphony is thought better art than tararabundie perhaps in two or three hundred years when everything is done by electricity and every one is equal when we are all happy socialists with good educations and better morals beethoven's complexity will be like a mass of wickedness and only the plain honest homeliness of the comic song will appeal to our simple feelings when we get home said craddock i want you to play to me i'm so fond of it i shall love to she murmured she thought of the long winter evenings which they would spend at the piano her husband by her side to turn the leaves while to his astonished ears she unfolded the manifold riches of the great composers she was convinced that his taste was really excellent i have lots of music that my mother used to play he said by jove i shall like to hear it again some of those old tunes i can never hear often enough the last rose of summer and home sweet home and a lot more like that by jove that show was ripping said craddock when they were having supper i should like to see it again before we go back we'll do whatever you like my dearest i think an evening like that does you good it bucks me up doesn't it you it does me good to see you amused replied bertha diplomatically the performance had appeared to her vulgar but in the face of her husband's enthusiasm she could only accuse herself of a ridiculous squeamishness why should she set herself up as a judge of these things 
was it not somewhat vulgar to find vulgarity in what gave such pleasure to the unsophisticated she was like the nouveau riche who is distressed at the universal lack of gentility but she was tired of analysis and subtlety and all the concomitants of decadent civilization for goodness sake she thought let us be simple and easily amused she remembered the four young ladies who had appeared in flesh-colored tights and nothing else worth mentioning and danced a singularly ungraceful jig which the audience in its delight had insisted on having twice repeated with no business to do and no friends to visit there is some difficulty in knowing how to spend one's time in london bertha would have been content to sit all day with edward in the private sitting-room contemplating him and her extreme felicity but craddock had the fine energy of the anglo-saxon race that desire to be always doing something which has made the english athletes and missionaries and members of parliament after his first mouthful of breakfast he invariably asked what shall we do to-day and bertha ransacked her brain and a baedeker to find sites to visit for to treat london as a foreign town and systematically to explore it was their only resource they went to the tower of london and gaped at the crowns and sceptres at the insignia of the various orders to westminster abbey and joined the party of americans and country folk who were being driven hither and thither by a black-robed verger they visited the tombs of the kings and saw everything which it was their duty to see bertha developed a fine enthusiasm for the antiquities of london she quite enjoyed the sensations of bovine ignorance with which the cook's tourist surrenders himself into the hands of a custodian looking as he is told and swallowing with open mouth the most unreliable information feeling herself more stupid bertha was conscious of a closer connection with her fellow-men edward did not like all things in an equal degree pictures bored him they were the only things that really did and their visit to the national gallery was not a success neither did the british museum meet with his approval for one thing he had great difficulty in directing bertha's attention so that her eyes should not wander to various naked statues which are exhibited there with no regard at all for the susceptibilities of modest persons once she stopped in front of a group that some shields and swords quite inadequately clothed and remarked on their beauty edward looked about uneasily to see whether any one noticed them and agreeing briefly that they were fine figures moved rapidly away to some less questionable object i can't stand all this rot he said when they stood opposite the three goddesses of the parthenon i wouldn't give two pence to come to this place again bertha felt somewhat ashamed that she had a sneaking admiration for the statues in question now tell me he said where is the beauty of those creatures without any heads bertha could not tell him and he was triumphant he was a dear good boy and she loved him with all her heart the natural history museum on the other hand aroused craddock to great enthusiasm here he was quite at home 
no improprieties were there from which he must keep his wife and animals were the sort of thing that any man could understand but they brought back to him strongly the country of east kent and the life which it pleased him most to lead london was all very well but he did not feel at home and it was beginning to pall upon him bertha also began talking of home and of court lays she had always lived more in the future than in the present and even in this the time of her greatest happiness looked forward to the days to come at leanham when complete felicity would indeed be hers she was contented enough now it was only the eighth day of her married life but she ardently wished to settle down and satisfy all her anticipations they talked of the alterations they must make in the house craddock had already plans for putting the park in order for taking over the home farm and working it himself i wish we were home said bertha i'm sick of london i don't think i should mind much if we got to the end of our fortnight he replied craddock had arranged with himself to stay in town fourteen days and he could not alter his mind it made him uncomfortable to change his plans and think out something new he prided himself moreover on always doing the thing he had determined but a letter came from miss ley announcing that she had packed her trunks and was starting for the continent oughtn't we to ask her to stay on said craddock it seems a bit rough to turn her out so quickly you don't want to have her live with us do you asked bertha in some dismay no rather not but i don't see why you should pack her off like a servant with a month's notice oh i'll ask her to stay said bertha anxious to obey her husband's smallest wish and obedience was easy for she knew that miss ley would never dream of accepting the offer bertha wished to see no one just then least of all her aunt feeling confusedly that her bliss would be diminished by the intrusion of an actor in her old life her emotions also were too intense for concealment and she would have been ashamed to display them to miss ley's critical instinct bertha saw only discomfort in meeting the elder lady with her calm irony and polite contempt for the things which on her husband's account bertha most sincerely cherished but miss ley's reply showed perhaps that she guessed her niece's thoughts better than bertha had given her credit for my dearest bertha i am much obliged to your husband for his politeness in asking me to stay at court Leys. but i flatter myself you have too high an opinion of me to think me capable of accepting newly married people offer much matter for ridicule which they say is the noblest characteristic of man being the only one that distinguishes him from the brutes but since i am a peculiarly self-denying creature i do not avail myself of the opportunity perhaps in a year you will have begun to see one another's imperfections and then though less amusing you will be more interesting no i am going to italy to hurl myself once more into that sea of pensions and second-rate hotels wherein it is the fate of single women with moderate incomes to spend their lives and i am taking with me a baedeker 
so that if ever i am inclined to think myself less foolish than the average man i may look upon its red cover and remember that i am but human by the way i hope do not show your correspondence to your husband least of all mine a man can never understand a woman's epistolary communications for he reads them with his own simple alphabet of twenty-six letters whereas he requires one of at least fifty-two and even that is little it is madness for a happy pair to pretend to have no secrets from one another it leads them into so much deception if however as i suspect you think it your duty to show edward this note of mine he will perhaps find it not unuseful for the elucidation of my character in the study of which i myself have spent many entertaining years i give you no address so that you may not be in want of an excuse to leave this letter unanswered your affectionate aunt mary lay bertha impatiently tossed the letter to edward what does she mean he asked when he had read it bertha shrugged her shoulders she believes in nothing but the stupidity of other people poor woman she has never been in love but we won't have any secrets from one another eddie i know that you will never hide anything from me and i what can i do that is not at your telling it's a funny letter he replied looking at it again but we're free now darling she said the house is ready for us shall we go at once but we haven't been here a fortnight yet he objected what does it matter we're both sick of london let us go home and start our life we're going to lead it for the rest of our days so we'd better begin it quickly honeymoons are stupid things well i don't mind by jove fancy if we'd gone to italy for six weeks oh i didn't know what a honeymoon was like i think i imagined something quite different you see i was right wasn't i of course you were right she answered flinging her arms round his neck you're always right my darling ah you can't think how i love you End of chapter seven